Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 27 of the Thistle Rugby Podcast, the only rugby podcast that cares about Scottish rugby. How are you guys doing? I'm David and we are back at full complement. I've got Alan to my left. How are you, pal? Bloody great. How was New Zealand? Good. Meeting the, the Mrs. Rents and wider family. Very good. You was passed the test? No, but <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not her family's choice. <laughs> That's good. Did you manage to rein in most of your really bad behavior? Uh, 50%. 50%. Only the drugs and alcohol remained. Oh, that's okay then. <laughs> um, and over there is Matt Hanny. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm good, man. Good, mate. It's nice once again to have three of us back. It is. Didn't yeah. feel the same. Yeah, mate. Sorry about ruining your engagement. <laughs> yeah, that was a shame. My mum got sent congratulatory <laughs> messages from her friends. <laughs> That is a great result for so, everyone yeah, involved. It was a good one. You played it well. <laughs> I was actually planning to do the exact same thing with you in, when you were in New Zealand, but uh, beat me to the punch. But well, we will consider that ha, a, ha, ha. a victory <laughs> for the Thistle. Thanks again for joining us. We had a week off last week, guys, so thanks for coming back and listening to us on iTunes or on the ACAST podcast app or wherever you are. We are currently trying to get ourselves onto Spotify podcast as well, so you may be able to get us there soon enough. Um, You've been chatting to us loads on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pods, and our Instagram following is going through the roof at Thistle Understroke Rugby Understroke Pod. As always, at this time in the pod, I'm going to ask you if you do enjoy what we're doing, please leave us a review on iTunes, five stars, and we will read it out on the pod. How about this one um, from Blue VK and a Straw? He says it's a wee <laughs> rugby gem. <laughs> Richard Cockerell might have implied that Edinburgh private school boys are soft, but to be fair, they can make even the most dismal of London commutes vaguely tolerable. If, like me, you're still clinging on to that semi-decent under-16s Bruin Dolphin Cup run <laughs> as a rugby highlight or enjoy quizzes about obscure Scottish centres that time forgot, then this is the pod for you. I think that's the best review you've ever had. God. I'm clinging on so badly. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's hit the key features there. That really, is exactly really well. what we offer. Yeah. So thank you very much. Um, if you let us know who you are, we will buy you a blue VK one day. Yeah. We will f follow up on that promise. Right. So we are going to do a skip through of the news from the last 10 days or so. Some signings and um, some bits and pieces on the Super 6. And then three Thistley issues for you. Number one, what went wrong? for Edinburgh against Cardiff on Friday on Saturday night. Uh, number two, what is the latest on the Super 6? And number three, can we expect wins 
for Edinburgh and Glasgow this weekend. Can we not talk too long about point one? Because point the Edinburgh Cardiff game might have been the most painful Saturday night of my entire life. Yeah, well, Matt, Matt and I were at a wedding together and we were just sort of periodically checking our phones and it was just you swearing about how bad <laughs> Edinburgh were, basically. There's something severely depressing about watching an Edinburgh Cardiff game on your, sm- on your iPhone <laughs> on a Saturday, <laughs> oh, on a Saturday oh night by yourself. <laughs> oh my God, that's our But commitment to the pod. Thank you very much for that. Let's start with some news. Breaking today, Edinburgh have signed Italian pop Pietro... Cesarelli from French side Oyonnax. Do we know anything about him? Fun fact, he has never scored a point in his professional career. (laughs) (laughs) In his whole professional career? I mean, he's only been playing since 2010, but yeah, eight years, years, he's never scored a single point. Uh, Well, well, what else do we know? Um, I mean, the Wikipedia entry is really threadbare. It's three (laughs) sentences. I'm not even joking. Uh, the Edinburgh announcement did give a little bit more detail. He's had 11 caps for Italy. Um, 11 caps for Italy. He, made his, um, he featured against Scotland when we played them in Singapore in June. Okay. Featured, so didn't start. He has played for the Rome-based Lazio Rugby Club, La Rochelle, Federal 2, which I believe is the fourth tier <laughs> of French rugby, a side called AS Macon. Then went back to Italy to play for Zebra, and he has joined Oyonnax at the start of this season. And Oyonnax, I think, are going to get relegated this season. So, but he- Richard Cockerell says Pietro is a com- combative tight head who's had experience playing both the top fourteen and on the international stage. His arrival next season will only add to our strength and depth in the front row. So I mean, he's just kind of listed facts. The he's Edinburgh probably PR competitive because he's a prop, <laughs> and he has experience as a professional <laughs> rugby player. Yeah, and Ed- he will be a selection option. <laughs> the Edinburgh team have handed him just like this is what you need to say <laughs> at your next press conference. He yeah. says he's very much looking forward to giving his all for Edinburgh. So that's all we can ask for, isn't it? I mean, he's been dreaming about it. So yeah. I, gu- I guess historically, if you were going to get any player from Italy, a props the kind of most. The mm. position you'd Prop. be most happy with. Lots of scrummaging in top 14 rugby as well. Yeah. Loads in Federal 2. The fourth division of French rugby is all scrummaging. I have so much faith in the Edinburgh prop analyst. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. true. I was just going to say that. <laughs> he un- uncovered the diamond in the rough, Daryl Marfo. Simon Bergen. Yeah. Yeah. And continuing on the Edinburgh prop theme, Jamie Lyle of the BBC reported earlier this week, or it was middle of last week, that. Edinburgh are going to sign, it's not been confirmed by the club yet, a South African under-20 prop, Pierre Schumann, who I do know a little bit about. He is a loose head, which is a number one. Very happy about that. He has started <laughs> all five, and maybe six now, of the Bulls' Super Rugby fixtures this season. He is not tied to South Africa, despite playing for their under-20s, but he would need to qualify for Scotland through a five-year residency program. So it seems that possibly Richard Cockrell's not entirely happy with his front row options as they currently stand. I guess it's Al Dickinson just looks like he can yeah. hardly mm. give you a game, and especially because Nell, Dell, and Marfo were all pretty injury-prone. And then there's a big gap from sort of like very promising youngsters like Murray McCallum coming through, but... yeah. There is a bit of a gap there. so. And I think, aren't they planning to change the rules in South Africa where you can actually still play for South Africa but be outside yes, the are. Super Rugby? So I guess this doesn't actually mean that he's going to be mm. waiting five years to play for Scotland, although it would seem like a strange move. Yes. <laughs> Slightly. But you never know. But that's, um, that's what's going on at Edinburgh. Glasgow chipped in with a couple of re-signings. Um, second row, Kieran McDonald and winger Rutu Tig. Tagivi, that's what I'm going for, have signed <laughs> until 2020. Pretty decent squad signings. I quite like the look of um, Kieran McDonald when he's played in the second row. He's yeah. an absolute bit of a unit. Still quite young. And um, from what I've seen to Tagivi, it, it's a d- difficult one because he's far too good for Prem 1. Yeah. Like he just runs through players in that league. But he hasn't been given much of a shot. In in pro in pro he said in the announcement that he was, he was really grateful of like Ben Cairns and the team down at, at Curry for getting mm. him um, back to fitness. So it's possible that he's not really had 
a, a string of sort of fitness to to challenge that um, that Glasgow team. Yeah, kind of looks like a bit of a donkey <laughs> when he plays. <laughs> like he's clearly like an athletic yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. but he's he's not the most kind of. I don't think he's the most naturally gifted of players. But look, he's obviously done enough. So good to see what he can do over the next sort of two years. Absolutely, someone who's not coming north of the border, despite many rumours, is Scotland international and Leicester back row Luke Hamilton, Jamie Lyle. Has um, seems to be ruling that one out. It always did seem that it was possibly a little bit too much money, and um, we've got a lot of youngsters coming through there. Maybe just too many, too many bodies. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense, Edinburgh, to put if you got a set amount of cash to spend to put it towards another flanker. Yeah. When there's so many other sort of pressing matters, or not so many, but there's and a actually few some th- very talented youngsters coming through there. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, with I think bringing in Luke Hamilton, it would have made more sense if the rumour had been that he was going to Glasgow. Yeah. Oh, we also missed that um, Grayson Hart has signed for Worcester. Did we miss that? Yeah, for the rest of the season. He's gone from kneeling. Oh, until the end of the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. That's not that interesting. Alan Solomons continues <laughs> so weird. to build up his army of Scottish yeah. men. Yeah. Well, um, well, the Trojan, 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 Trojan horse is off there. Grayson Hart um, kept out Aaron Smith. Of the in the New Zealand under twenties World Cup winning team, later. really? Yeah, he started in the final. Aaron Smith was <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> I never yeah. realised that. Anyway, that is mad. Um, and possibly the most significant re-signing news since we last here, Mark Dodson, the chief executive of the Scottish Rugby Union, has re-signed his contract until twenty twenty three. He's had a pretty significant impact on Scotland. Alan, what's your take? Yeah, like. I <laughs> I do. I I do think. Do, I think Mark Dodson's done a good job, um, and I think in terms of, he's kind of. I almost think he's kind of taken the low hanging fruit, early doors. I think everyone knew that Murrayfield needed to be made a better sort of stadium experience, and I think it was quite obvious when you compared it to the other rugby unions yeah. that Scotland were quite far behind in terms of being a commercial powerhouse, mm. and I think the next five years is where the real, real tough work Absolutely. comes in terms of it's, we haven't, when below the pro teams, it's, it's probably not fit for purpose in a professional era. Yeah, and we are going to come on to talk and about we are gonna come on to that what about. he is doing in the Super 6. But in terms of just the amount of history involved, I just think it's going to be such a tough job over the next couple of years. Yeah. But I think he's all, he, you can see from the way he talks, he's obviously like a very sort of direct sort of character. And he's probably the, the exact sort of character they probably need to drive some of this through. Mm. Yeah, no, I think he's earned his contract extension. I think he's done a pretty good job. I think he's well regarded. As you say, it just remains to be seen it, 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 how that sort of structural change to the club game will work because in the last three months or so, it yeah. seems as if he's sort of maybe put a few noses out of joint and, um, yeah, that sort of honeymoon period, as it were, yeah. might slightly be over when it comes into all these changing changes he's, he's making. It was just good that he listened to our campaign for card machines at Murrayfield. Well, exactly. That was the real highlight of his, uh, his tenure so far, <laughs> to see those in for the Six Nations. Because his, his, ba- his background was he worked for Stagecoach. Or I think so, yeah. So I guess it, it's kind of when he was brought in, I kind of felt that it, the reason he was being brought in was because he was obviously this commercially successful character. Yeah. Whereas I don't think he actually had much of an affinity for kind of Scottish rugby or specifically sort of grassroots Scottish rugby. So it kind of feels like he was the perfect man to get through that sort of commercial mindset. But whether he's the right guy to do what is probably sort of phase two of this sort of broader plan, I'm not 100% sold on. But I'd love to be proved wrong. And we will come on to that plan in much more detail in officially issue number two when we look at what is the latest on the Super 6. But, Alan, let's take us back to the best Saturday night of your life, sitting on your own, watching Edinburgh Cardiff on your iPhone, watching them go down 20 points to six and crashing out of the European Challenge Cup. So Talk us through the highlights, if you will. Uh, pepperoni Domino's pizza, number <laughs> one, number one highlight. That's pretty good. <laughs> Snack size mini eggs, number two highlight. <laughs> and Die the iron brew. And the no, <laughs> can't get to iron brew. Oh, no. Or um, 
And the uh, and the Netflix documentary I had to pause during the game was the third highlight of the evening. So, but no, it was it was a pretty. I think it was actually probably the worst Edinburgh game I've seen this season since the Treviso mm. loss at home. Yeah, it um it was one of those one of these games where Edinburgh just never really seemed to sort of get anything going. I actually thought the two poorest players on the tr- on the pitch were probably Nathan Fowles by. He had a bit of a shocker just in general. And and then Van der Volt, who just really struggled both kind of to control the game from passing, but also just his kicking was sort of relatively poor. And the only player on the pitch who looked to be on the ball was Blair Kinghorn, who literally just looks like an absolute world-class player every time yeah. he got he got the ball. That's good. Um, and and sort of the key matchup and where I thought, Edinburgh might get an upper hand was in the back row where you have had obviously Hardy, Mata and Bradbury. And to be honest, Navidi specifically, but also Jenkins and Nick Williams on the Cardiff back row absolutely dominated. And and they just couldn't, and from there, yeah. just couldn't get anything going. Mm. It's a bit of a lesson for the Edinburgh team, that sort of um, knockout rugby. That's their first sort of, this uh, burgeoning Edinburgh team's first uh, encounter of it and they've fallen at the first hurdle but young team it's a d- it's been a decent campaign in any case would you say yeah and it's almost probably a blessing in disguise for them to be able to sort of i don't know concentrate on the on, yeah. on, on the pro 14 and make sure that they sort of carry on their sort of league form until the end of the season to think on thursday night we were talking about whether we were just gonna <laughs> we were just gonna back ourselves and get to bilbao because edinburgh were gonna meet us there I was yeah. ready to book tickets. <laughs> I was really keen. I believed it. Um, Believe the hype. And that's actually what Richard Corkrell sort of said. He said um, that maybe on Saturday we started to think about what happens if we get to a, si- a semi and getting ahead of ourselves. I don't think we are quite good enough as a group to be doing that yet. I think that's a pretty fair assessment. Mm. And that's two, two quarterfinal losses in a row. Lost to La Rochelle yeah. last year. Although that game was much better last year, I'd say. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't watch the Cardiff game, but last year was okay at least. Yeah, it's. I think it's. I, I actually think it was poor performance, and I think still with the quality of players that Edinburgh have, there's still just not enough depth or quality in certain positions, mm. and that really, really told at the weekend. And to be fair, that actually the whole back line outside of Kinghorn was had no real cutting edge. Like Bennett was really, really quiet. Really. Um, Van der Merwe had absolutely nothing of the ball. Um, you talked a lot on the Twitter feed, at least, about Nathan Fowles. Do you think that scrum half position is quite weak for Edinburgh at the moment, particularly with Hidalgo Klein heading out in the summer? Yeah, I mean, it's with Hidalgo Klein going out, to be fair, Sean Kennedy, when he came on, looked a lot better and gave a sort of slightly more control. I think there's obviously the key points we've chatted about with Nathan Fowles before, where actually I, I don't think his distribution is that good. And he's he's qu- he's quite slow when it comes to sort of passing and kicking, and then to be fair, I just felt really terrible for him because Cardiff kicked a ball over, <laughs> and he tried to look at it, and then he turned around and it just bounced off his head. <laughs> the falcon, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's it's something that can happen to anyone, but you just look like, and it's within that sort of whole performance, it just stood out so much. Yeah, um, but I think I think it is a good point though that I think Edinburgh need to make another signing there because it's not. I mean, you need three scrum halves anyway. Charlie Shield has been shi- signed, but yeah, you can't expect him to be no. know, chucked in the deep end. So and they need someone. Because there were still the rumours about the supposed Kiwi 9 that was meant to be being signed. I think, I think we made them up. Did we just make that up? <laughs> that sounds like something we might That's where do. the best rumours come from. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I think it's just one of those games, Luke. It happened. Forget about it. Let's concentrate on the league. And move on. Yeah. Strong visions finish the league, and then uh, next year they'll get their new home on the back pitches of Murrayfield, or will they? Oh, I'm just hearing there's been a li- they're having a little bit of an issue with the um, environment, the environment agency in Scotland. I'd love it if they just ended up having to go back to my side. What are they disturbing environmentally on the back pitches of Murrayfield? It's an artificial pitch. What's living on there? The nematodes still. flood flooding, mate. Flood. It's next to the. R- I think it's because it's the, there's the river. Has that bit ever flooded before? <laughs> I don't Who think knows? the water leaf has ever flooded. 
<laughs> who knows? But we will see. Um, I think far it's from the water. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <between> <laughs> I am pretty it's sure ridiculous. it is going to be something they're going to get over. But at the moment, there's some paperwork that they're having to fill in. But anyway, we will move on from that and look at some another administrative nightmare for the SRU and ask what is the latest on the Super Six. So it was announced. Um, over the weekend that 12 teams have submitted applications for uh, franchises. They are Air, Boromir, the Curry Chieftains, as broken on the Twitter, on the Thistle Twitter feeds. They called us fake news. (laughs) (laughs) Hello to you, Curry Chieftains. Um, Dundee, um, Edinburgh Gala, Glasgow Hawks, Hoyk, Harriet, Melrose, Stirling County, and my beloved Watsonians. Um... So, lads, Alan, I've seen you've been you've had your nose in the franchise guide. You are up to speed on what is going on with the Super Six. Why don't you give us a bit of a rundown of what your thoughts are? I'm firstly just really upset that no other teams followed Curry, and we didn't get like Melrose Eagles or something like some <laughs> some great franchise name going around. Maybe they'll do it when they maybe maybe they'll do it when they yeah. actually get announced or something like that. Yeah, which is happening on the first of May, by the way. So it's not very far mm. away. Mm. No, it's not. So they've got one. They've had the uh, they've had the sort of bids for only about six weeks. Yeah, before and they make a choice. And it's committee brought together by what with about six or seven people. So it's Bill Gamble is leading it. Yeah, ex Nail in Scotland. Player and then obviously conflict of interest or potential <laughs> conflict of interest. Obviously, Gregor Townsend on the committee as well, and I'd love to see what would happen if Gala got it ahead of Melrose for <laughs> the franchise. Um, but no, so obviously the Super Six looking to in 2019 pull together sort of six teams that would play each other three times, and then the plan was to have some cross-border games, but. Now that the BNI Cup has been disbanded, it's not actually clear what those cross-border games. Yeah, I was reading the documents that they were planning to play twenty games every season. Yeah, so they're planning to play each other three times, which seems a bit excessive when you've got six teams. So that takes you up to fifteen. And there was a bit of chat that they might play some like Welsh under like twenty-three. Yeah, I think we- teams. Wales are restructuring their yeah league as well. But it feels like in a league where you don't have relegation to play each other three times especially in the when you get to the sort of third go and there's teams that can't reach the, the um can't become like winners it's going to be so like just boring to to watch well, exactly it's going to be very difficult and it's something that you know they want to build these franchises with one set home in order to get people watching it and get a little bit of buy in on it mm. but if you're only ever seeing the same teams coming around yes very regularly it's it's not that it doesn't sound that exciting as a as a spectator no, and obviously they, they guess they just felt that six teams was the maximum amount that they could financially cope with. Mark Dodson wanted an eight when he first. Oh, really? Ar- he, he wanted a super eight when he first arrived, and I believe it was. This is there's a great two part interview on the offside line with Mark Dodson where he says that that he wanted a super eight when he arrived, mm. but they that they weren't happy with that or they didn't think they had the infrastructure for it. They've settled on a six, but he wants to prove Sorry. the concept yeah, and yeah. then and then grow it. Uh, obviously, okay. Got you. So, so you don't have the playing think. base for that either. I mean, that's a question for beyond 2023, yeah. I expect. Yeah. But yeah. Um, I mean, out of those 12 teams, who do you think are the ones that are most likely to um, to end up getting picked? I think that Mel- Melrose have surely got the sort of monopoly on the borders, if there is a single borders franchise. Yeah. Um, just because they have the best side very good playing facilities and they have the financial backing from the sevens um, that we've been building on for a while. Are they actually getting a artificial pitch? I know they're trying to raise funds for one. I, I haven't heard. I don't know. Because I, I was reading the, the franchise document and there is a, a, a portion which talks about facilities and it mentions World Rugby approved artificial pitches will essentially be looked on very favourably in terms of these franchises being dished out. Which is Which is all well and good but we were talking about this before, and none of those teams there, as far as I know, have artificial pitches. And Barakis aren't putting in a fake one at um, Rayburn Place. This is they? why they were chatting about putting a team at Spartans. Yes. Because yeah. they had that artificial pitch there. They obviously just feel like they, to get the quality of rugby in winter that they want, they need, you need you to never have know. an artificial I mean, pitch. Dun- if Dundee were successful, part of Dundee's bid might be that they can go and train at St Andrews, for example, because yeah. they 4G. I don't know. 
Like yeah, I'm, all, I'm all for the idea of getting more 4Gs in Scotland yeah, yeah, so no, there's more no. places to play rugby. But, but that's another <laughs> completely different question. Somebody's going to have to pay for them at some point. Mm. Is a, the, each team needs to have 35 players. 35 players, salary cap per player of 12,000. Which, when you think that there is some premiership players at the moment that are getting paid three sort of times that. three or four at times least. that they're just gonna they're just gonna leave you would think <laughs> yeah i mean 12 grand yeah i mean you can't no player playing in this league will be a full-time player but which is actually is going to be different from the current setup where you genuinely get players who could almost just be full-time yeah, players are, yeah. are development officers or something or exactly the club when, but that, yeah. when they can i suppose that is th- that is the point that he's making is they're going to be part his phrase, part-time professionals. I so think there's been an evolution in that phrase, though, because I think when it was first chucked out, it was, you know, um, let's say two-thirds for the professional, one-third mm-hmm. semi-professional. So, and but, you the, p- these, the, it, but as, as Dodson's also said, that there's going to be a zero-tolerance policy for payments at the below Super 6 level. Yeah. So I wonder if, you, if you're a guy who genuinely, a lot of your living... Making a living depends on playing a good level of rugby, whether you just completely leave the country. I think almost definitely. If, you, if, if you know you're not... If Scottish people as well as Antipodeans. Yeah, if you know you're not going to get a Glasgow or Edinburgh contract, let's look at like Rory Hutton, for example. Mm. He's probably getting paid more than that. Or used to de- used to get paid more than that. Yeah, I know. yeah. And possibly. I think he get paid quite a lot at Watson's. And why... If, he's only, if his maximum earning potential is 12 grand... Yeah, then it probably and he's got to train far more. Yeah, and he's <laughs> got to train far more. It's probably more likely that you're going to just move to like Doncaster. Yeah, or d- or play in like National League One, where you can yeah. get probably paid thirty or forty grand. There was um, also a great um, advertisement for these guys going from amateur semi pro to you know a bit more serious, and it was the there's a video of the um, Gala Sevens final between Jed Forrest and Gala at the weekend, which Jed won. And the Jed coach is getting interviewed, and in the background, you've got one of the Jed pl- uh, Gala players just <laughs> having a fag <laughs> just, by, <laughs> just by the stadium. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I feel that we, we. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. We've slipped into our traditional negative mindset and we're focusing on all the bad things. Let's look at this another way. Is this reordering and something that Dodson's been pretty punchy about in his comments of the press? Is this mass reordering of the amateur game in Scotland absolutely necessary if you look at it through the lens of premiership rugby is there to be a feeder league to the pro teams then absolutely Mm -hmm. everyone in the high performance centre SU says it's not fit for purpose Mm. quite enjoy that Alan Roland said the domestic layer was terrible and that world rugby couldn't put their referees into it yeah Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you look at it through that lens of the Premiership is for is a feeder league for professional rugby. Then he's absolutely right. My my issue with it is I think there's a lot of people who have who have given a lot of their time to Premiership rugby, either mm-hmm. working or supporting or playing, who don't see Premiership rugby as a feeder league to yeah, the professional absolutely. game. But I think when you look at it through that lens, that Dodson's obviously has to look at it. He's absolutely correct. Into Do you think that Super 6 and then the league below it, the championship, I believe they're calling it, can they coexist happily together, do you think? Um, I think that's the real question. 
or I just are we don't, lacking I, in player base? I think it's just once again there is a lack of players, and I think that will just create a massive gap between the haves and the have-nots, and that's why it sounds as if basically every single club is trying to be part of an application. Yeah. So I mean, I've heard that Stu are trying to get on the coattails of a Harriet Zaraki's bid as well. And I'm sure it's happening in the Borders clubs. I'm sure that Selkirk and Jed Forrest have been like, well, we're going to get completely left behind if we're not God, part of Melrose. Having to something. delve into Borders rugby politics well, yeah, to put together, yeah. I mean, um, it's another put issue. together amalgamations of a Don't side. Don't you think the Melville, for example, should be like, look, we're not for the next five years, we're not going to be one of the top six teams. Let's try and see how we can do in this league. We don't have to play any players so we can get our finances in order. And then when franchises come up, they inevitably will then look to kind of go on in the future. It's a, fi- yeah, it's a it's an initial five-year franchise contract which they're going to be asked to sign. Yeah, it feels like a lot of teams are getting FOMO. Yeah, yeah. I think the way, the way Dodson talks about it, he's like, there are the big clubs that are definitely going to go for it. And then there's the smaller clubs that realise that is just too much for us. We're gonna just going to focus on our amateur league. What he says is he's concerned about the, the clubs in the middle yeah. who think they could maybe go for it or there's issues within them and they don't really know what to do. And yeah. they're the ones that he's concerned about sort of dropping off. Mm. My, my issue is South Edinburgh where you've got Watsonians, Boromir and Curry. Yeah. And inevitably, if they don't do a, a joint bid, w- one of those teams is going to get picked and they're all kind of the same. Like, they've all got relatively similar fan bases, mm. similar size fan bases. They've kind of done similar kind of well over the last 10 years and it's kind of it it seems harsh to just pick one and then they kind of take take it all if you know what i mean yeah i agree and uh, someone like watsonians if they didn't get it because they don't have uh, like a mini rugby feeder i suppose because you know watson's there's a watson's mini rugby team on a sunday then where's where their players come from they'll just go to courier bar certainly used to be I don't think there is any more though, really. Yeah. And those guys have just got to curry anyway. Yeah, or Baromir. Sure. So where are your players coming from? Yeah. I think it could just completely kill kill some clubs. We've it gone negative again. We've gone. But we I, tried. I think you know, going trying to put a more positive slant on it. There's a lot of ifs and buts, but but if you can get some sort of stable franchises that can exist over five years, and you start developing the 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 level of training and the strength and conditioning and the performance analysis or, or whatever, and it translates onto the pitch, then you could have a league that, that does make a lot more sense as a bridge, which is the whole idea of yeah. it. It's not trying to be anything else. Um, That's one thing I do like, the, I do, I, I really admire the vision of, is trying to instill that, getting people to understand that level you've got to perform at for professionalism, be that as a player or as a coach or as a physio or as a strength and conditioning coach, and just really raising that standard across mm. the whole of like Scottish rugby. I think that's a pretty noble vision. I think it's pretty good. I think that you just n- hit the nail on the head though is, can you get six teams financially stable for a number of years to actually begin to build that? Because that's what you need. You essentially need yeah. that five year period to yeah. stick fast. Which, which, yeah, exactly. For it to be sustainable, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. But whether these clubs can be self-sustaining without having to go cap in hand to the SRU for five whole years. They have to stump up a lot of money annually for their playing budget and running facilities, whatever. I don't know. That's a quite a big ask. If you get yeah. teams dropping out, and yeah, maybe that'll happen, and then you get a franchise comes up for a bid. What about the spread of the, um, of the teams? They have to. The SRU said they have to pick one team, at least one team from all four regions, Glasgow, Edinburgh, Borders and Caledonia. There's no Aberdeenshire franchise after Mark Dodson, I believe, said in the press that he was pretty sure that he, yeah. couldn't, he <laughs> couldn't see a way in which an Aberdeen side wouldn't be involved. <laughs> so I think well, the, the, the Caledonia one by Sterling and Dundee goes to Sterling and Dundee. Yeah. And I, I, I suspect they probably do want a Dundee bid just because. Dundee, I guess Dundee and Aberdeen are sort of the next two biggest cities. Mm. So you'd want to have one franchise yep. in the th- either the third or fourth biggest city. But it feels like Stirling County as a setup is just so much stronger than Dundee. I also think Stirling University is obviously like the centre for Scottish sports excellence as well. Yes. So you could definitely see some synergies there in terms of facilities and yeah. using that as a way to attract yep. good rugby players. Yeah. 
they can get a degree, they can play very good quality rugby. In that sense, you could see it actually working. Somewhere yeah, yeah, along yeah. The, the model of Loughborough having their Loughborough students team yeah. in playing in National One as well. Yeah. Which could work very well. Dundee, similar. They, they've got a huge student, um, yeah, student, three fan, four, student base three, three as well. Three different institutions. Yeah. Um, so that you could see that working quite well. What about the Glasgow split? You think Air will take one? Almost Air will certainly. Get, Air will get one. Hawks will get one. You think? O- almost certainly. Yeah. Yeah, that makes I sense. Just I think that makes sense. I think it makes sense. I, I, I generally can't see it past Melrose, Hawks, Air, Sterling, and two Edinburgh. But I don't know what the Edinburgh will be. The Edinburgh is the big one, isn't it? Because there's such a huge like population of rugby clubs in Edinburgh. Mm. Yeah. Hawks are absolutely cruising. They're just like, who the know, fuck else is going to be? I, <laughs> <laughs> but um, then it, I was reading it as sort of uh, that point exactly, that Hawks, in a sense, are kind of like a franchise. Yeah. So they got set up and they're an amalgamation of you know, uh, yeah. Calvin Side and Glasgow Ackies and all these different clubs. And Hawks did very well at the start, but since then have been a bit of a yo-yo team. I mean, they're going to be in the relegation playoff this year as well. Yeah. And they've got an animal <laughs> name franchise. That's yeah, true. that's true. That's true. <laughs> <I think laughs> they, the merch. They, they were well, so well early to it. Time. Yeah, they knew what was coming. So, yeah, whether that'll work, I don't know. Because so that's yeah. really worked. So suppose your big, your big headaches are Edinburgh and then can you get a second franchise out of the borders? Yeah, I just don't think you can get two f- franchises out of the borders. I'd be surprised if you could. Um, and one franchise in Edinburgh, just because of how str- how strong that pre- how strong Edinburgh are in the Premiership at the moment, when you've got Curry, Boroughmuir, Watsonians, Harriers, Aki's getting promoted. Yeah, it just feels like that's got to be where two of the teams come from. And you've got like. A Massive, the biggest, it's t- it's the, the second fan. biggest town with probably the most rugby wealth in it as well. Yes, yeah, it is the fan base as well. But I mean, what sort of, what sort of crowds can you expect though? I mean, Edinburgh can barely get five thousand to a match. You know, it's I think that's going to be really difficult. There's be tribal loyalties, the people that tip up at Myerside and um, Golden Acre and Millennium Park every uh, weekend. Yeah, I mean, are I you going to go out and support South Edinburgh versus North Edinburgh? Yeah, or, that's you a tough know, one. Watsonians All Stars versus <laughs> the Dirty Nails. Like you, I mean, you'd watch that. <laughs> you'd definitely watch that. But we should come up with some franchise names. Actually, let's let's do that. Actually, that'd be good. Yeah, let us know on Twitter what your uh, what your suggested fan <laughs> franchise names are at Thistle Rugby Pod, and we will come back to those next week. Can I say one point? Yes. The one thing that annoyed me the most. I've got a real aversion to centralized control. And the fact that free market libertarian, already. yeah. <laughs> but the fact that the clubs can't even choose their own coach, they get an SRU appointed coach. Yeah. So yeah. if Air fans, committee members, hate their coach, don't like their playing style, there's literally nothing they can do about mm-hmm. it. Their their coach reports into was it into the technical director who reports into Scott Johnson. Yeah. Scott Christ. Johnson decides who gets coaches. <laughs> the thing I would say about that is that, yeah, I agree that would be ridiculous, but it does seem as if if you look at all those clubs, they do tend to have coaches that are sort of on that pathway, like Ben yeah. Cairns at Curry, uh, Phil Smith at Harriet's, um, Thingy Christie at Melrose. Yeah. But then, for example, I was saying this to you before, with if Hoyk managed to get a franchise... Guy Graham would be George Graham would be the coach. <laughs> he fucking hates the SRU, and they. I'm sure the feeling is mutual. I'm pretty sure Peter Wright ain't getting a job through the SRU. <laughs> well, he's not coaching anyone at the moment. So is he not? Like, oh well, not in not in that. What's he going to do now? He's not going to be able to commentate on BBC Albert. I know. Just drive trucks. That's his job. He probably so. is. He's going to drive trucks. Um, right. Is, is there anything else we want to talk about at the Super Six? I think we've done quite a bit there, but also probably not covered everything we needed to. You know, what? I, I whilst I think it could be a complete shit show, I'm quite excited about it. I'm, oh I like, yeah, yeah. First oh, match. I love. Yeah. I love the vision. Like I really enjoy Dodson. I actually like that he's getting out there and ruffling some feathers. At least it feels that he's come to Scottish Rugby and he's like, right, here's my big idea. Back me a bit, and then let's see what happens. It feels to me that something needs to change. So yeah. I still f- I'm a li- I feel a little bit like this is what KPMG or Deloitte <laughs> have been paid £50,000 to come into the SOU and they have presented this back. And in presentation format, it looks spectacular. 
but actually when it comes to real life implementation it just won't work yeah did you see what the uh, the Viet Gwen tweeted us no um a, a Welsh commentator we've had on before who is an expert at regional rugby yeah, yeah, knows yeah, the history behind everything. the botched professional game <laughs> in Wales and he said why am I not surprised that Scottish rugby is on course to copy most of the blunders already made by Welsh rugby hopefully that's not going to sort of be prophetic but well, I mean, we'll if you look at the one example of where they tried to take basically historical club teams and turn them into <laughs> franchises it is Wales and it f- it's a long time failed pretty badly yeah. yeah well it is one for us to watch with interest one final point i noticed when i was reading it is that the franchises are going to be expected to create their own pr and marketing so if you are a franchise looking for a burgeoning scottish rugby um podcast oh. to partner up with That's we true. are absolutely guns for hire yep. so um oh yeah curry chief official partner coming down. super six Oh, I'd love to nice. be the, the official nice, part of the Super 6. Sounds great. <laughs> that sounds nice, doesn't it? Okay, that's another thing for you to take on your to-do list, Mark Dodson. So <laughs> get us on there. Um, Alan, you have returned with a quiz. Yeah, it's, give that to us? it's quite quick and quite average. So sounds let's good. go through it. It's actually the perfect thing for a quiz. <laughs> go on. Um, how many Scottish players got Man of the Match awards during the Six Nations and who were they? That's a good question. Uh, in the ESPN Fantasy League for the Six Nations, there was three Scottish players in the Fantasy Dream Team. Who are those three players? Okay. What does ESPN actually mark you on? Though? <laughs> yeah, Basically just like tries and kicks and playing for a long time <laughs> it's a real basic scoring system it is, that is <laughs> yeah. it's such a rubbish game um I, i've got i don't know and then over the six nations five scottish players ran over 50 meters in at least one game who were those five players and secondly how many times during the six nations did both hog and hugh jones run over 50 meters in a game so you've given us two answers. Yeah, thanks to so much. Oh, yeah, fuck. <laughs> forgot, about, forgot, forgot about Jones. <laughs> so what other three players <laughs> okay. ran over 50 metres <laughs> during the Six Nations? Useless. And of Hogg and Jones, how many times did they run over 50 metres across the five games? The, the two of them together? Each. Each. Okay. Um, I, think, I think Hoggy did it in every one of them. Um... Okay. Right. I've got a lot of repeat names down there. (laughs) (laughs) What two player... Oh, for fuck's sake. What... (laughs) How many times and what players (laughs) got Man of the Match awards? I I did. I had two players. I had two. I had Grieg versus France. You got that? Yeah, Grieg. Yeah. Hugh Jones versus England? I had Finn Russell. Finn Russell versus England. He England, didn't he? You bastard. Yeah. That was really stupid of me. And then who got it for in the Scott and Italy game for Italy? I can't remember. Oh, the little lad, the little oh, mono- um, mono- the fullback. Oh yeah, it's not his name, but fantasy ESPN dream team, three Scottish players involved. Mm. Hanny, who have you got? I've got Stuart Hogg. Stuart Hogg was not in was the not? Dream, was oh. not in the dream team. He only scored one try. Christ. Oh well. I've got Grieg. Hugh Jones and Rambo. Greek, Hugh Jones and Rambo. Only Greek. Only Greek. Hugh Greek, jo- isn't it? Hugh I, got, jo- I got Hamish Watson. Hamish Watson wasn't in it either. What? So uh, have you got none of them? Uh, no. Barkley? Yeah, it was Greek, jo- an Barkley and Johnny Gray. Ah. They're giving out tackles. Okay. When you get twenty non dominant dominant tackles <laughs> yeah. stats. When you get day. twenty more tackles than anyone them. else. Then you um, then you win a lot of awards, I guess. All right. So I'm on two. What are you on that? Uh, two. Cool. Yeah. Go on then. Right. Final one. Well, who were the three other players you ran over fifty meters during the Six Nations? Quite hard, mate. I'm gonna say Maitland. Uh, 
Maitland is no. He ran like 49 meters in the England game. <laughs> I think Seymour had one big game over 50. Yeah, Seymour's won. Oh. And I had, I think Rambo did over 50 in one. Rambo wasn't on the list. Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had Russell. Russell is one. Yes. And um, uh, anyone got the last one? I had Pete Horn. No. I had Hamish Watson. Blair Kinghorn. Blair Kinghorn against England. Against Ireland. Against Ireland. Oh, against Ireland. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, missed that game as well, so doesn't well, count. Just one for me. So three all. Uh, so a three all. How many times do you think Hugh Jones ran over 50 metres during the Six Nations? I've got four. I've got four as well. Hugh Jones only had two. Okay. And I guess how many times do you think Stuart Hawke I think Hoggy did it in every game. Five. Five? Yeah, you're both correct. Oh, God well, damn he got, it. <laughs> he got like 400 and something metres, so... Yeah. So it was a draw. Is that a draw? Have we got a tiebreaker? Uh, I'm just looking for a tiebreaker now. <laughs> um, a filler. I don't think King Horn had got over 50 metres in... Um, King Horn. King Horn. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I know. He had a Fair play to him. He had a very good game against Ireland. Yeah, he did. Uh, I don't have a tiebreaker, so... I'm happy to call it. You'll just have to call it. Take a draw. Happy to take that as a draw. Thank you very much, Alan. Right. Last little skip through Thistle issue number three. We are looking ahead to two massive games in the run-in to the end of the Pro 14. So Edinburgh hosting Ulster at Fortress Murrayfield and Glasgow traveling down to play last season's champions, the Scarlets. This issue number three coming to you, Matt. Can we expect wins for Edinburgh and Glasgow at the weekend? Yeah, I think we can. I, I think that, yeah, maybe the Cardiff games come at the right time in terms of a loss that you're still going into a massive match. And um, it's not like the end of the world if they lose this match. They can still, they can still lose their remaining three games and finish third. Yeah. But if they win this, if Edinburgh win this game against Ulster and... Glasgow beat Scarlets, then Edinburgh go in second place, which wow. is absolutely massive. So, yeah, I know that Ulster, Cock was talking about it, Ulster are going to bring back their big guns, but um, I think Edinburgh at home, um, the way they've been going, maybe maybe Murrayfield's a bit of a curse, maybe Murrayside's where they need to go. But <laughs> Oh, yeah. Um, back to Murrayside. Fortress <laughs> <laughs> um, Murrayside. Yeah, I think they can win. And then Scarlets, Glasgow, kind of depends what team Scarlets play. They've just come back off off the back of their um, Champions Cup semi-final. So maybe they'll rest a few players. I don't know. Maybe it's still too too important for them. Yeah. They're backing up, you know, a pretty, like, massive match against La Rochelle, both sort of, like, physically and yeah, emotionally. Um, yeah, I can I can definitely see Glasgow going and beating them, which would you be You might expect quite a strong Glasgow team to go down there as well because um, they've had a week off. The week before that, they played against Zebra. Zebra ran 65 past them with basically none of their big um, Scotland players. So the Scotland boys haven't played for yeah for mm. three weeks. A lot of them are having a great time as well. Where have they been? Hugh Jones uh, hanging in Dubai. Yeah, he, was, he was hanging in Dubai with Salt Bay. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ali Price was hanging in Mexico. Yeah, I saw that. Was he on his toss? Maybe. Don't know. Probably didn't go at home. Finn, on, Finn Russell was presenting at the Scottish Fashion Awards. Oh, I saw that. <laughs> He's gone too high end. <laughs> he <laughs> needs to go back to his roots. And what if the Stonemasons could see him now? I know, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you might expect quite a strong Glasgow team. What about Edinburgh? Ulster are going to be bringing back players like Piatau, Rory Best, Stockdale, Ian Henderson. It's going to be a much stronger Ulster team than they beat on the road a, a few weeks ago from Super Donkey Weir's drop goal. They've got Pieto, we've got King Horn, mate. Don't yeah. you worry about it. Cocker's in the media today. Pieto probably cost as much as our whole backline. <laughs> <laughs> if you're an Ulster fan, judged by Pieto this season, you would much rather have Blair Kinghorn. He's been pretty yeah, budget. Yeah, terrible. Ulster have been budget this season. Pieto looks just like a bit out of and shape. And also, sorry, I, I should have said, as we've been recording, I've just seen this on Twitter, that the IRFU are investigating a disciplinary matter relating to Craig Gilroy, and he is not going to be available for selection for Ulster at the weekend. What's going on in Ulster? So more <laughs> <God. more> <laughs> off-field <laughs> troubles oh for, um, for Ulster, it looks. Just a one, it's a one-line statement. So something 
is going on? Uh, I have to admit, I could very easily see both teams losing this weekend. Wait, you can say that every single weekend about the pro team. <laughs> <laughs> but I think with... Look, the Scarlets are... Rel- they're basically the Welsh team, and yeah. they just beat La Rochelle in the Champions Cup. If they put out a full-strength team, I think at home, Scarlets have got to be favourites. And I think even though this Edinburgh team have been slightly resurgent in the league... With that performance at the weekend and with some of the Ulster players that are coming back, I think Ulster have got to be favourites going into it. But Yeah, um, the Gilroy thing is related to the Paddy Jackson stuff. Oh, God. Some, they're doing an internal review relating to some WhatsApp messages oh, at the no. centre of the nine-week trial, so he is not going to be involved. Um, there you I go. think we don't need to go into too much detail. On that note, should we do some <laughs> predictions and wrap up? Let's do yeah. some predictions. Um, I'm going to back... Edinburgh to bounce back, and fuck it, I'm going big. Glasgow to win on the road down in Scarlet's with a, a really strong team. I'm going to go with that as well. We're loving it. Yeah, Edinburgh, I'm go with that um, as well. I think Glasgow play one of the best teams, and it'll be a bit of a test of Rennie and whether this side's actually cut out for the Pro 14, and I think they'll pass muster. Yep. You, you're both still high after your long weekend wedding. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> you're definitely not high, mate. If you've, been, s- if you've been sat at home... Watching that rugby on Saturday <laughs> night. True. I'm going for two losses. Uh, cool. I think Ulster will win by about 10. And I think Scarlet's will, again, oh. be about a similar 10. Well, it is one to savour, though. It is Friday night with BBC Alba. We've got to enjoy them while we've still got them. That is Hugh, true. Dan. Hugh Dan. Got to make the most of Hugh Dan while he's around. Justice for. That's the yeah. big one. Can't wait. Praise Hugh Dan. Praise to Hugh Dan. Well, let's wrap it up there, guys, then. Thank you very much for joining us. As we said at the top of the show, get on iTunes. Please leave us a review, five stars, um, and we will read it out on the show. Let us know your proposed franchise names on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod and follow us on Instagram, Thistle underscore rugby underscore pod. Almost forgot it there. And uh, we will see you next week. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.